excited to have uh, you all here with us tonight, uh, albeit cold in, uh, I believe, SU place tonight, but, uh, you know, I guess that's the actually relevant season we find ourselves in now that the Steelers have lost. It's now Syracuse basketball season, and everything else is pretty much irrelevant. But nonetheless, tonight we continue in our series uh, in stewarding all of life. And so uh, we've had the opportunity to look at uh, stewarding relationships, uh, stewarding time. And tonight we turn our attention uh, to the stewardship uh, of our spiritual giftedness. And next week we'll conclude the series with stewarding our favorite resource, uh, our money. Uh, so we'll have opportunity uh, to look at that next week. So this is not in any way, shape, or form to pat myself on the back at all. It's just to give context and by way of comparison. I've been a Christian for 28 years. I've gone to church for probably 30 years. And I'm pretty sure that somebody has made me take the spiritual gifts inventory test about 357,000 times. All of which I enjoyed thoroughly. Right? It's something that I've run into often, and I'm sure for some of you, you have as well. Figuring out what is my gift has been a question that I've asked, uh, and also a question that people have asked me. What is your gift? What is your spiritual gift? How are you wired? How are you empowered and equipped? What's your place of service? And really, the question I often ask was, how can I help? Right? As you can imagine as a, a pastor, a, a church planter, at least going through some of those uh, kind of assessments, these are things that I've been constantly asking and have been asked. But I have to admit something to you and confess that Although I've been asked that question often, and though I've taken so many of those tests, I've often found myself in a place where I'm missing the forest through the trees. Yes, in the midst of all the tests, all the answers that I got from those tests, right? And, and some of those answers, when you tell somebody else about them, they'll, they'll kind of scratch their heads and go, you know, they don't see it. Or often you may say, oh yeah, I'm this or I'm that. And they may say, yeah, kind of give you the affirming nod. Uh, but in the midst of all of that, I'm not sure that all the questions about spiritual gifts, I'm not sure all the questions were necessarily addressed in that simple approach. What's my gift? Here's a test. Those are the answers. Now begin to do that. Am I the only person here that feels like we've skipped a lot of questions that are important when we look at spiritual gifts? I know I'm a victim of it and also a victimizer. Being a pastor, I've often skipped over very necessary questions in the lives of people, albeit unintentional. So the questions I want to ask tonight and throw out there are, first of all, what are spiritual gifts by nature? If we're going to talk about stewarding our spiritual giftedness, we better know what we're talking about when we say the word spiritual gifts, right? If we're going to talk about spiritual gifts as it relates to you, as it relates to me, we may want to ask the question, on what basis can we be assured that we actually have one? 
that we're to steward, that we're to use. It may be important to ask the question, how do I truly discover what my spiritual gift is, assuming I have them and understand what they are? And last, why is knowing and using our spiritual gifts of critical importance for all of life? Let's turn to God's Word. Again, in the 30 to 40 minutes, maybe give or take, that we're going to look at this tonight, we're not going to be able to address every single question or every single issue. So let's just be willing to deal with that reality. But those are the four questions I want to throw out and answer the best we can given the time that we have, okay? So let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Would love to have you follow along with me. I believe it's going to be up front, uh, but also if you have your Bible, uh, by all means, uh, turn there. Stewardship of spiritual gifts. Listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. What are spiritual gifts? Here at Renovation Church, we talk a lot about what we call the outcomes, okay? That is, there is a, a gospel root that has taken uh, in the heart of those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The roots of the gospel take hold in such a way that it begins to reshape and reorient what they value. That is, they no longer value the same things. They begin to value God above all else, His truth, His love, and His mission. We talk about that often, about our four values. And we see as well, as people value different things, they begin to live and behave out of those new values, out of that gospel root that has taken place in their heart. And so we talk about stewarding all of life to the glory of God and the good of others. That's our fifth outcome. That is, if the gospel takes root, that's the fruit that we believe we'll see. Not only do we see that, but we also see the fruit of service. Those who believe and belong to Jesus 
now have the root of the gospel which begins to bear fruit so that they just begin to serve. Serve others. Serve the mission. All out of their spiritual giftedness. So we have to understand, and I think it would be tragic if we didn't look at it, that if we began to talk about the fruits of the gospel without at least referring us back to the root of the gospel, then we could at best be talking about uh, religion. And at best, we might end up with some level of trying hard, doing better, self-reliance. And at worst, we might end up with some sort of self-glorifying kind of pride that goes with that. That is, I do this and therefore I am X, Y, and Z. It becomes all about us. But what we see here, and we need to understand, is that spiritual gifts are simply the, the fruit of the gospel that's taken root in our lives. Right? It is... Nothing less than the work of new creation. Jesus, as it says, descended here to earth. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died in our place for our sins. He was raised from the dead. And before He ascended to the Father to sit at His right hand, what did He say He would do upon His ascension? He would what? Give the gift of God the Holy Spirit. And when the gift of God the Holy Spirit is dispensed, it descends upon the, the ministry and the vitality of the local church, lives are changed. People begin to live differently. The gospel took root in the church. The Spirit of God applied that work of Jesus in such a way that people just simply live differently. Spiritual gifts are simply a part of that. See, stewarding our spiritual gifts is indeed a stewarding of the gospel. The grace that has been dispensed by Jesus Himself in the person of God the Holy Spirit, which lives inside each and every one of us and begins to empower us to serve Him and others. So when we talk about stewardship of spiritual giftedness, let us not sever it from its source. Amen? Stewarding spiritual gifts is by nature a stewarding of the work of the Gospel. Christ's grace, right? Look at verse 7 and 8 there in Ephesians. But grace was given. You know, the same word for gift is also translated what? Comma. How do I say it? Same word for gift is comma. What? Grace comma. Grace. Gift grace. Same word. It's a spiritual gracing that has taken place. A gifting is a, is a gracing, if you will. So it's a gift. It's not deserved. It's the, it's the, ex, the it's extension of grace to those who desperately need us. So, Putman defines spiritual gifts as that. The concrete expression of charis. Grace. The concrete expression of grace. Grace coming to visible effect in word and deed in our lives. Seeing grace. We, when we see people serve out of their spiritual giftedness, guess what we are seeing? 
visible manifestations of God's grace that's in their heart. Bugby says spiritual gifts are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are by nature a stewarding of the work of the gospel, a stewarding of the dispensing of grace that we are undeserved recipients of. That's what gifts are. They're abilities that that come from grace. That's spiritual gifts. We cannot sever it from the gospel lest we come up with something completely different. Some would clarify that gifts are, are, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not your personality. By nature, some people may be X, Y, and Z. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And many people would argue that it's a capital S. Right? That we don't want to depersonalize spiritual gifts. That it's because of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And we need to be reminded of that. And so you ask the question, how can I be sure that I actually have one? How can I be sure that I have a a dispensation, an extension of God's grace by the Spirit inside me so that I can actually do something of any value or benefit to the body of Christ? On what basis? I want you to turn with me into a different kind of message tonight, so be patient. But I want to hit as much relevant passages as we can. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. Verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Again, so that we don't sever it from the truth of the Gospel, let's make it clear. All those who believe and belong to Jesus, who rely upon Him in His death and resurrection, all of you, each one of you, have a spiritual gift. All those who are filled by the Spirit are empowered to function by the Spirit. 
with a spiritual gift. So you may ask, well, well, do I really have one? Well, if you believe in Jesus, you do. End of story. You have been graced. You have been filled with God the Holy Spirit, and you have been graced according to God's sovereignty. Not because you deserve it, not because you're great, but because He is gracious and He is great. It's a package deal. If you have believed in Christ, you are not just simply saved a seat in heaven someday. You also are what? Empowered and equipped for service today. Let's not miss that gospel reality. You can't embrace forgiveness of sin and somehow in your own self-pity or insecurity reject the fact that you, have it, you are an integral, indispensable part of the body of Christ. Because you've been graced. You've been gifted by God the Holy Spirit. To each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit. To each one underscore that. When the enemy tells you the lie that you're useless, underscore that one. To each one. When the enemy would say you're letting other people's other people down because you are not doing X, Y, or Z to the extent that you might think you should or what other people might expect of you, underscore to each one. You are filled with God's Spirit. Be encouraged, Christian. Be available. For the Gospel that's taken root bears that fruit. To each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus by faith, you're filled with the Spirit. And you therefore have and are empowered with a gift. A spiritual gift. And it should be underscored as well that you have what you need. Yes, this is about the, or the, the grace of God. Yes, it is about the, the provision of God. His, His generosity that He gives. But understand this, that the, the dispensation of grace in a spiritual gift, is also waking us up to the sufficiency of God and the insufficiency of ourselves. That without the Spirit and these graces given, we will not be able to serve. We're insufficient in and of ourselves. We simply do not have what it takes apart from the grace of God, do we? And so we have what we need. Stewarding our giftedness this is one you may want to write down. Stewarding our spiritual giftedness will mean a reliance on the power of God. Reliance. You say, am I stewarding my spiritual gifts? Well, to measure that to the extent that you begin to look at your life in terms of reliance. It's about His sufficiency. It's about His provision. Not what you have just by nature or some of your propensities. Or some of your favorite things even that. Not even necessarily all your experiences. And please, God uses all of that. But it's about reliance. And oftentimes, where do we see God's power the most? And when do we find ourselves in a state of reliance the most? When we stink at something. When in our own strength, we're a complete disaster. We offer nothing to, no, to anyone 
in our weaknesses. And yet the Bible tells us what? That when we are weak, we are strong. That His grace is what? Sufficient. You have one. And He's sufficient. You've been given a manifestation of the Spirit in a gift. You have what you need. Let's not miss out on that. Claim that promise. So now, what else would it mean? What else do we do? Romans chapter 12. Again, we're plugging along here as quickly as we can. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Another passage that is similar that talks about how we are to steward our spiritual giftedness, the grace that has been given to us. He says, For by the grace given to me, see a theme? See a pattern? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Stewarding our spiritual gifts will not only be a relying on God's power, but it will be a simple using of the grace we have been given. There are no bench warmers in the body of Christ. I think about playing basketball, and you wanted to start. You know why? Because you would play. <laughs> Nobody wanted to ride the pine and order a pizza for Domino's while, they were, while everybody else was playing. Nobody wanted to spectate. You see, the body of Christ is not like basketball. You don't have five guys on the court and the rest riding the pine. Right? One body, many, many members, each one individually members of one another. What? Each person is always functioning. Nothing is indispensable. God uses them all. And so we need to use what we've been given. Stewardship is using it. It's functioning in it. It doesn't do anyone any good if you have the gift of encouragement and you don't talk. You don't use your words and your actions in a way to build up and encourage, literally give courage in the midst of scary circumstances to give courage to somebody that needs it. You can be an encourager all day long, but if you don't use it, it's not doing anyone any good. So to steward it, we're to use it. Having grace, I'm sorry, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Some of us are bench warming. Now in a church plant, that seems like preaching to the choir. In many ways, that's true. We're all here. We're servants. right? We've, we've left convenience and comfort to go embrace a task that demands service. So we're talking to the choir here. But yet I wonder if there are some folks, given some circumstance or some lie they believe, some situation maybe. And I'm not talking about seasons of life where you're just not capable. We're not being insensitive to those things or whatever. Uh, not trying to be insensitive. The point is this, that if you have a gift, we can't ride the pine. 
We can't sit the bench. Let us use them. Use them in the lives of people. Use them at home. Use them at work. There's one that often gets underemphasized, right? We talk about our Christian relationships, and I think that's true. You see this is, this is body life. But let's not think for one minute that we leave God the Holy Spirit and His giftedness in a cubby at church, as Dwight Smith often corrects us with. Our spiritual giftedness and God the Holy Spirit goes with us wherever we go. And so to be an encourager here is building up the body. But to be an encourager at work, to be an encourager at home, to be an encourager in the larger community is to put on display and represent the the core root of the Gospel for the world to see. Spiritual gifts are very missional by nature. Intended not just for a cubbyhole and a ministry only at church, but intended to be used in the day-to-day activities of our lives and relationships. So use them. Use them at family. Use them at work. Use them in the ministry of the local church. And not only some ministry on Sunday between 5.30 and 7. That's what missional community is all about, right? That's why we emphasize small groups. Because again, it's, it's life together. It's rubbing shoulders. It's, it's mingling souls together in such a way that we're encouraging one another. We're building one another up in the body of Christ. That's what Wednesdays and Thursdays are all about. Encouraging one another in the faith. Using our giftedness in the midst of relationships. So if you are a follower, you're filled. And if you're filled, you have a gift. And if you know your gift, use it. And if any leader stands in the way of you using that gift, shame on them. (laughs) That's what the task of leadership is. To equip all of Christ's people to live a faithful life of worship. And part of worshiping is serving out of spiritual giftedness. We're here to open doors and gates wide open for you to use whatever gift you have for the glory of God. But if you don't know your spiritual gift, it's okay. (laughs) Say that with me. It's okay. Come on, let's say it again. I think we need a little bit. I think it needs to resonate. Ready? Say it with me. It's okay. This does not mean that you're not filled with God's Spirit. This does not mean that you're not empowered by God's Spirit. It does not mean that you're less of a Christian than your brother or sister sitting next to you that has crystal clear clarity about what they're called to do and how they're called to do it. And here's the most important one I think we need to wrestle with. It does not jeopardize in any way, shape, or form, your Christ-centered identity if you don't know your spiritual gift. Because our identity is not wrapped around our giftedness. Write that one down. So often we ask the question, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? We're trying to answer the question in terms of giftedness, but we begin to put our identity in that box. The Gospel identity that we have is Jesus. His perfection, His graces, His giftedness. Our identity is attached to Him, not our function in the body of Christ. Please 
write that one down and do not allow your identity to be warped or twisted by either knowing your gift or not knowing what your gift is. It's okay if you don't know. They're not meant to shape our identity, but rather to complete an assignment. We have a task to do. Our identity carries with it a task. Okay? We're to obey the Lord. Do things. That's what gifts are all about. Not our identity. And yet you're still wondering, well, how do I discover it? I'm going to simplify this given time. Obey Scripture. Serve others. To Write it down. How do I discover my spiritual gifts? Obey Scripture. Serve the needs of others. That's it. Don't, I mean, if you want to take a test, by all means take a test. You can, we can talk about it. We can laugh about it. You know, whatever. I'm not here to be anti-tests. But typically tests are simply your uh, understanding of yourself, which, guess what we are, a good friend of mine says all the time, we, we're, we're prone to self-deception. So on our own, we're going to tell a lie. And we're actually going to believe that lie. Right? So sitting down with a confidential exam that we submit the results to, to the leadership, you know, many of us have taken that test so often that we probably know how to be leaders and apostles and evangelists and teachers and not be helps, right? So we don't have to do anything, <laughs> right? Anyway, just obey the Bible. Look at the commands of Scripture in relationship to body life, the one anothering. And just serve people. When opportunities arise, there's a need. Serve. And then really what I think happens is that over time, as we just simply obey Scripture in response to the Gospel, as we serve others in response to the Gospel, what ends up happening, and I can't remember who started explaining it this way, but we've talked about this often, as basically what happens is, is that your gift over time, as you serve and obey, kind of rises to the surface and it's skimmed off the top. We see it as it rises to the surface. Does that make any sense? Don't get paralyzed in community by ambiguity about your spiritual giftedness. Scripture's clear, right? We obey it, right? Needs of others are presented very clearly. I need help moving Saturday. Well, that's not my gift. Right? How often in the process of discovering our gifts have we allowed that test or the affirmation of people over time to put us in a box that places limits on our humble service? Evangelism being probably the number one. That's not my gift. That's relegated to pastors, evangelists, teachers, those who are paid to do it, those who are good at it quote-unquote, good at it. Evangelism, let's be clear, is the responsibility of every believer. It is not relegated to some special person who is gifted. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. Encouragement as well. (laughs) 
the gift of encouragement, the gift of wisdom. You can't be a fool just because you don't have the gift of wisdom. <laughs> right? Guess what no one is ever coming out on in the spiritual gift inventories test? Kids ministry. Right? Oh no, man, I just don't do kids, man. I'm, I'm out on kids. That's for somebody else. That's for, that's for moms and, and for dads and, you know, those people. And, and, you know, weirdly enough, it's for, especially if you're a dude, because you think if you're a dude in kids ministry, then all of a sudden you've got to buy, like, really tight pants and run around like a, some fake superhero guy. You know, maybe you call yourself Bible man. I don't know. But you think that that's what you have to be in kids ministry. The bottom line is this. All of us are responsible for those children down there. Again, primarily parents. Primarily parents in the discipling of children. But every single one of us has a, it joins into a corporate responsibility to disciple our little boys and little girls in the faith. And you know what? Oftentimes you'll hear stories about the single guy or the single girl that made such an impact on children's lives that they'll never forget. That, that yes, they remember mom and they remember dad and they remember the pastor and, and this or that. But it oftentimes is the least likely person who just said, you know what, there's a need. I'm going to step up and I'm going to serve. And guess what God did with that humble service? He worked His grace through it. Again, picking on kids' ministry, but there's so many ministries. Of course, you know, Talk about many of them. Obey Scripture. Serve the body as needs arise. Don't get yourself cornered in a box and say, this is who I am, this is how I serve, and that's final. You know, Strengths Finder's great. Yay, Strengths Finder! But we miss something. When all we want to do is live into our strengths instead of serve others' needs. Our gifts become about us, who we are, what we enjoy, what we're really good at. And we miss out on opportunities to just simply love the brothers, love the sisters, serve the family of God, and allow God's grace to work through our what? Weakness. Stewarding our spiritual giftedness it's about serving. It's about obedience. But why is this so important? It's my last point. You tie me on it. Stewarding our giftedness will mean serving with one passion. Really two sides of the same coin. The glory of God. The good of others. So important. Henry Blackaby says, anchor this truth in your mind. The gift of the Holy Spirit is primarily about God and His gifts, of course. And His work. Not about you and your work. Got to let that sink in. Our gifts, or the spiritual gifts, are, giving to, are given to us, but they're not given for us, primarily. I know some of you are splitting hairs on me. They're not given 
They're given to us, right? But they're, they're not given for us, primarily. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says these words. He says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Somebody needs to repent. Right there. I'm talking about myself. As one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Reliance. Reliance. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Why spiritual gifts? What is stewarding spiritual gifts all about? Is it about our actualization? About our fulfillment? About self-awareness? Somebody yell no at me. Somebody throw something at me. <laughs> Let me confess I've fallen into that trap often. It should be one singular, unwavering passion. The glory of God. That's why we have them. That's why they've been given to us. They're not given for us. They've been given to us. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God wants to be glorified in our lives and He wants to be glorified through our lives. That is primarily why God has done anything for us. Right? It's really ultimately for His well-deserved glory. We need to have that as our holy passion. That needs to be our greatest joy as John Piper talks about. That the glory of God is our greatest joy. That's why we serve. That's why we steward anything. Because what we really want in this life is not the comfort and conveniences of just knowing who we are or the, or the glory of getting uh, approval and praise from men and women as we, as we function. But about God receiving worship. That's what we, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart that your glory would be my singular passion. Truth be told, that's where joy is. Right? First Corinthians 12, 7, For each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. Not for your good. Ultimately. For the common good. It's less about the uniqueness of the individual. More about the body that is interdependent. Gifts were not dispensed for our self-actualization or fulfillment. It's not about feeling good about yourselves and your contribution. It's not about that. Service is about emptying yourselves. Let's not talk about being fulfilled. Please. Let's be empty. Filled with the Spirit, of course. Let us be emptying ourselves of all of that desire to be glorified and fulfilled out of what we're doing. Let's be glorified and fulfilled by the thing that all the only thing we need for eternal satisfaction and fulfillment, Jesus. Jesus. We have all that we need to be full and, and, and to be satisfied and to be content in this life and the next. His name is Jesus. You don't need to function properly or improperly or do this or do that. We just need Jesus. 
And in the gospel, guess what? We have Him. So let's respond to the, to the all-sufficiency, the, the, the all-satisfying person of Jesus by just saying, hey, I'm available anytime you need me. Let me serve. And God can take that uh, response and He can work His grace through it and He can be glorified because of it. That's all that really matters. They're not tools for performance that lead to our glory. Uh, they're not really provided so that we might achieve something in this life. Set goals and what? Make them. Achieve them. Stewardship will mean serving with one passion in mind, the glory of God. Again, I don't think we can miss the forest through the trees. Right? It's about the gospel. You know, what is the, the nature of idolatry? Right? The nature of idolatry is taking a gift and elevating it above what? The giver. Spiritual gifts, let's go back. It's a stewarding the work of the Gospel. The work of new creation. The fact that Jesus died for us, rose for us, and ascended to the Father that He might pour out His Spirit that now lives inside of us. We are stewarding a relationship with God. Jesus Christ. God is the greatest gift that we have. And it's all we need. Amen? God's the greatest gift. So let's know Him. Let's trust Him. Let's obey Him. Let's enjoy God. And let's glorify Him by recognizing that Christ's people are also a gift. Right? This is body life. This is community. You know, a lot of people are going, I love Jesus, but I hate the church today. That's, that's, a, that's just twisted and we're upset. We've been hurt. We've taken a risk and we've lost. We've rolled the dice in community. We've been, we've been, we've been scarred. I, I understand all that. don't want to be insensitive to that, but when we embrace God, we embrace His people. And so spiritual gifts and stewarding them are about serving Christ's people. About loving Christ's people. Not because they're awesome and they deserve to be loved, but because they're Christ's people. Let's partner with Christ's people to be on mission. All those who are filled with the Spirit are empowered by the Spirit. Who function in a way that they steward their spiritual giftedness for the glory of God and the good of others. May we be people who do that. Let's pray. Our Father, it is Your work that has been accomplished by Your Son Jesus Christ, who imaged you with perfection, who lived a perfect, sinless life, who died a horrible, yet sacrificial and effective death in our place for our sin, 
who then rose from the dead by the power of the Spirit, victoriously, and who in that victory ascended to His rightful place to the right hand of You, O Father. And in that moment, He poured out the Holy Spirit on us, the people of God, because we desperately needed it. And because it was your divine plan to do so. So that you could use your chosen instrument. And that you would live and dwell within them. As the temple. The new temple. And in that as well, you have graced us with abilities. With giftedness. To function in a way that gives you what you deserve. And so we pray for that. To you be the glory. And may your church be built up. In Christ's name, Amen.